Hello, boys and girls in podcast land. It's a Monday, January 30th. It's Shopo Trap House coming up. Coming at you. Coming up you. Coming up your ass. Fuck! One <laughs> <laughs> of <are> these days! <laughs> all right. Uh, in year right, 50, yeah, when we're all uh, in uh, hover vats, you'll get it right. All right. Well, let's get these uh, a little Chapo ideas session. This is, uh, I'm, I'm going to pass this one along. This is just sort of a whiteboard session. How can we do things to grow the show, expand the show? What are some bits we can do? And look, I, uh, this is actually, I got to pass this on. This is Catherine's idea. So we were, we were driving back from upstate New York yesterday, and she said, uh, I want to listen to something I can sing along to. I say, no problem. Put on that Billy Joel. She's loving it. Who doesn't love Billy Joel? We're seeing him in the garden on Valentine's Day. Then it gets to the song, my favorite Billy Joel song. We didn't start the fire. And I remember like it was the only Billy Joel song I knew as a kid. It was the only song I knew as a kid. And for some reason, I liked it despite the fact. <laughs> You're Casper Hauser. <laughs> you keep you in a little dog kennel, but you just, they're pumping in. We didn't start the fire 24 7. And, you know, it, it's a bop, but like it, it struck me that, like, why did I like this song so much as a kid? I had no fucking clue what he was talking about. I, I, you didn't know I, what the Doris Litterbine Day? was? <laughs> the fuck is Doris Day? Ray Johnny Johnny Ray, look at the fuck out of here with that. But then, of course, now I'm very proud of myself. That like, oh, yeah, I, North Korea, South Korea, I've recognized those references. <laughs> so then, then, it, then it got me a little the wheels thinking. This is this this is Catherine's idea. So I want I want to pitch it to 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 Matt and Chris here. Someone, someone should do a 17th century version of We Didn't Start the Fire, you know, because it's always been burning <laughs> since the world was turning. And, you know, Billy Joel is really saying, hey, like, don't look at me. It's not our fault. Uh, there's a lot of stuff happened, you know, in the past <laughs> before we got here. So I was thinking, like, as a Hell on Earth supplemental, you guys should record <laughs> a We Didn't Start the Fire remix for the 17th century. That is, I got to say, off the top of my head, very good idea. <laughs> Because you know, I'm, I'm listening to Hell on Earth. It's just a lot of you know, it's a lot of names and things happening. You know, so we should put it in a sort of a snappy song. Uh, well, you know what? I'll let Matt write the lyrics to that one, and um, maybe I can enlist some of our musician friends, get Dan Beckner, get Nick Diamonds on the phone, see if I, they can come up with an instrumental. I'll, I'll serve as more more of the uh, the producer role, the the George Martin role for the for this piece. Okay, challenge accepted. I will try to. I'll I'll I'll. The first thing I get to do is I get to listen to that classic song, <laughs> get the lot, the rhyme scheme going and everything, and then uh, uh, plug in the references. I, I I'll do it. Great, done. We'll use that as the uh, as the final track. Yeah. Uh, all right. That's uh, one idea completed. Uh, now to turn to the uh, news of the week. Um, currently, I guess the the main news story being dominated is another uh, you know horrible police murder uh, the Tyree Nichols uh, case in, in Memphis. Uh, members of the elite Memphis Scorpion unit uh, beat a man to death and have now they've been charged with second degree murder, but uh, really, really bad. Wait a minute. The Scorpion unit did that? <laughs> yeah. That doesn't sound like them. I mean, it's just it, it, it seems it is uh, indicative of like whether it's uh, the, the Scorpion gang or the gun trace task force or the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, who, you know, are just actual gangs. They, they give themselves gang names. And it's like this sort of uh, new innovation in law enforcement where they give elite units, not special victims units, but special victim creating units that like basically act as death squads in quote unquote high crime areas. But I mean, just a further indication that uh, the police in this country, or at least the, uh, the, the police in this country are a gang. They, they behave like a gang, and we are all subject to them. But I, I just would like to turn now, I mean, like, look, 
what what are we going to do about the cops in this country? It's 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 a terrible uh, situation that we find ourselves in. But I just want to I want to bring bring our attention to one possible solution, uh, courtesy of one Matthew Iglesias, who um, over to his slow slow boring Substack this weekend in response to the uh, murder of Tyree Nichols, has a very good idea for how to how to reform law enforcement in this country. I'm just going to read from his... Uh, I'm, I'm not going to do the title because that would give it away. He just says, I mentioned in a mailbag, but I think part of the strategy for police reform in the United States should be a Police for America program modeled on the Teach for America. In other words, an initiative funded by donors who care about both crime control and social justice to recruit relatively high-performing graduates of selective colleges and place them for a few years as police officers in high-crime, high-poverty cities. I've heard proposals to try to make police departments function more like the military, which is a distinct entry point for people who to do investigative or patrol work. But while I think there's a certain logic to these proposals, that's not what I have in mind here. So... Matt Iglesias is doing the Ivy League version of Police Academy Citizens on Patrol. So Ken Griffin, <laughs> this is pretty straightforward. Ken Griffin uh, and other people who fund Teach for America are now going to pay for um, a bunch of ambitious 23-year-olds, would-be judges, to uh, go around America to communities like Memphis and Jacksonville, places on the south side of Chicago, and tell suspects all about the situationists before they shoot them 78 <laughs> times. I, I love the idea that there's these the people, they're cops, or the, these donors. They love social justice, and they love uh, stopping crime. Just like all those Teach for America donors who were very interested in something other than breaking uh, teachers' unions. Like, that's the not the only reason they fucking funded it in the first place. I don't think they really have the same interest in getting rid of police unions. Uh, I mean, maybe they do, you know, they want to do it like a cost cutting thing, but uh, if they were to pull this off, that would really be all they would accomplish. Well, I think Although Matt, I, I do think love the played. idea of, of, of a bunch of uh, like little uh, Harvard dorks showing up uh, with their gun. I think it would go well. I like, <laughs> I, the idea like of the, I like the idea of the shield, but exclusively with grad students. <laughs> they blackmail they blackmail Aceveda by showing him sleeping with an undergrad with a three year age gap. <laughs> this is on you for the rest of your life. <laughs> I think this is uh, a couple things going on here. It's like one, uh, Matt, you're right. I think I think Iglesias has sort of uh, reverse engineered an effective strategy for defunding police unions is uh, replacing cops with uh, yeah grad students, or I think it's also. In his brain, I think he's just sort of like, oh, there are people who are interested in law enforcement and social justice, and no one who goes to Harvard could be evil. It's just the, the line about select universities. It's just like, yeah, the, was the Teach for America people. drawing for... The yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, Teach for America, I kind of... Um, it, it's sort of what you do when you, you're below a judge level, when there are no McKinsey yeah. offers after you get out. That's sort of like, it's the last-ditch effort. For the ambitious, but uh, not intelligent. And also, like, uh, these Teacher America uh, jobs, like, they, they're not meant to be careers. Like, I mean, it's like, you know, it's like jury duty. They do, I think like, most of them do, like, two or three years at most. So, like, it could be a high turnover for, for cops under the Iglesias regime. I, that That is, like, the religious faith he has in, in credential-type kids, people who go to these, 
schools, people who do a lot of extracurriculars in high school. He honestly thinks that that makes you like a superhuman because yes, this would be tie turnover. There'd be no, they would be out of there after like a year, just like in teach for America. So how the hell could they do any like long, actually meaningful uh, impact? Well, just their very presence. It wouldn't matter that they're just throwing in new ones every year. Just their, the aura of the fact that they like did a science bear volcano uh, is enough to <laughs> just make all the all the all the thugs just part like the fucking Red Sea at their their arrival. And you know, like I mean, we we've covered this before on this show. Uh, you know, just just last week we talked about constitutional sheriffs departments who are you know <laughs> claiming for themselves more authority than the president to ignore laws and overturn elections. You've got. Um, Literal gangs who are like, you know, uh, administering ink to their gang members based on the number of bodies they collect. I'm sure these people would be thrilled to have uh, <laughs> a bunch of uh, like little Iglesias's waddling into police departments. I mean, to, you know, uh, to clean up the culture around <laughs> police unions. Yeah, that will go well. Uh, I love the idea, too, in like cities that do have like an actual gang problem, like the gang members being like. Uh, do, you, do you hear about the new beat cops on our street? They they were they were in the Hasty Puddings Club. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to dump our cells immediately. <laughs> I mean, it would lead to a culture of fragging in police office departments. Yeah, which, yeah. So, high time for some of that. <laughs> that yeah. may solve a lot of existing problems. Uh, but yeah, Jesus Christ. Uh, what are you gonna do about these fucking cops, man? Like, it's just—I uh, mean, like this, this coming on the heels of that—that that guy in LA they tased to death, uh, that dude in Atlanta that was killed, the whole cop city thing, and then this Tyree Nichols thing is just like uh, abominable, just unspeakable level of evil going yeah. on there, just beating a guy to death. And with this, uh, with Tyree Nichols, um, these cops specifically—they are the result of the previous solution that Iglesias. And Iglesias types offered, which was like more training and money. These guys did get more training and money. More training and money doesn't mean anything when you can't meaningfully like get in trouble for breaking the law. Like that and, is uh, really you know the where, heart of it. And uh, Felix, do you know where the Memphis Police Department's training came from? Uh, a certain country, oh, <laughs> a certain oh, foreign oh, country. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, oh, yeah, no, like, yeah, no, yeah. Like, they, they worked with Israel, and like, and like, and that's not an accident because like this model of law enforcement is basically. How yeah, to do counterinsurgency? Yeah, active occupation. Well, at least at least those guys were charged with murder. I mean, what what, what can you even say about this shit? But uh, I wish Iglesias the best of luck on this the 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 slow and boring task of uh, reforming America's police departments. I mean, like his whole attitude though is that like they just need more funding because like in order for it to be a high quality service, it needs to be more professionalized. And I, I've seen I've seen a couple of different variations on on that uh tack for this latest uh, police murder is that like these uh unaccountable death squads that we're sending out when giving free license to kill people in high crime neighborhoods um they just need to be more professional they should be a little less a little less uh, i don't know have a, a, a fewer skull skull paraphernalia uh on their unit or i don't know maybe they should try reading a book sometime that's the thing but the but those type of people don't want that job. They're not going to, they're not going to accept that not. job. They, w- they don't want to do it. Like that's the whole thing is that the culture that makes your nice, uh, uh, civilized, uh, professional manager type person who is going to like do such a great job on the streets of our cities, uh, hypothetically, 
they, they don't want to fucking have a gun and, 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 and be in those and, and constantly be in conflict with people. Their entire professional culture is about diffusing and, and denying any actual conflict with another human being. That's why they created HR departments. You can't call in the HR supervisor when some guy is freaking out in front of a 7-Eleven and you got to deal with them. And you know, you're the, you're, a- that's your job. You have to actually deal with a conflict. No, I got my fucking degree so I can never have a conflict with another human being. That being said, though, I'd imagine for like, I don't know, let's just say some small potential cadre of Harvard philosophy majors who want to become, you know, <laughs> do, do, do like a, a rip and run Vic Mackey style shit on the streets of America's most dangerous uh, neighborhoods. The thing is, though, like, it doesn't matter. In fact, like the education that you receive and the background that you come from, like I'm sure Matt thinks that would make it certainly makes you less inclined to get a job in law enforcement. But I guarantee you that anyone who does get this job and then is given that level of authority would abuse it just as quickly, if not more viciously than uh, other other people from different backgrounds. Well, he wants Dalton from Roadhouse to become a cop. That's it. <laughs> Be nice. Be nice. But that guy, the thing about that guy is that he's not real. He's in a movie. And there basically has never been a guy like that. It's made up. I used to fuck guys like that in prison. <laughs> I want you to remember that it's a job. It's nothing personal. Uh-huh. Being called a cocksucker in personal? No. It's two nouns combined to elicit a prescribed response. I wonder if somebody calls my mama a whore. <laughs> Is she? <laughs> I would like to move on to like uh, we we haven't checked in on uh, my mayor and yours America's mayor uh, Eric Adams in a while and I'd like to because uh, the New Yorker last week had a had had a great article called the mayor and the con man which is about a guy uh, that we featured on the show before do you remember the case of Brooklyn based pastor Lamar Whitehead, the, the pastor who was robbed on the pulpit of several hundred thousand dollars in jewelry. Yeah, yes. I remember that guy. Yeah, he, he, he was the man. And I think at the time, I, I don't know if we did, but I think the correct speculation was like rather than an outrageous robbery of a man of God <laughs> bejeweled in several hundred thousand dollars of diamonds that this was some sort of insurance scam, like that he like tipped the, like he was in cahoots with the guys who robbed him to like get an insurance payout on the jewelry. But anyway, like the New York article is about what a fucking con man this guy is and his long close relationship with Mayor Eric Adams. There's some pretty funny stuff in this article. Wait, wait, uh, wait, wait a minute. So that was a, a realist. That was a insurance scam. He didn't actually get. No, robbed? I mean, I'm, I, 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 mean, raised like, a, I, I'm, I did a fucking go fund me for him. What the fuck? <laughs> this is still speculation it's it's it's, a, it's the jewelry robbery i'm saying this is an alleged insurance scam but there's a, there was something about that story that didn't sit right with me and then i was just saying like the context of this article here uh w- would provide a, a hint as to what that this was implied to me that this was not just a random robbery or that he was targeted as like you know someone known for having jewelry i think that this was something he was probably in cahoots with the guys who robbed him but I mean, if he wasn't, he certainly deserved it. Let's let's put it that way. But uh, so the article uh, begins with an account of um, uh, Lamar Whitehead and his dealings with uh, <laughs> uh, the, uh, the proprietor of the No Limit Auto Body Shop. 
I'm just going to read here. It says, about a year ago, not long after Eric Adams was sworn in as the mayor of New York, an old friend and church leader named Lamar Whitehead went to an auto shop in the Bronx to drop off a Mercedes-Benz G-Class SUV that had been in a crash. Whitehead led a small church in Brooklyn called Leaders of Tomorrow International Ministries. <laughs> All right. Sounding names. good. Uh, people called him Bishop. The shop he visited, No Limit Auto Body, was operated by a man named Brandon Belmonte, who was involved in real estate. Federal prosecutors had later referred to Belmonte as a businessman. The Mercedes was a $25,000 job. Belmonte paid the $13,000 bill for a rental replacement while the work was getting done. Whitehead wanted more. He basically says, you've got to give me another five grand, Belmonte recalled. I said, bro, the job was only $25,000. 13 and five is 18. The parts were seven grand. I'm going to make zero. It occurred to Belmonte that Whitehead wasn't trying to negotiate. He was asking for a kickback. He promised to make it worth Belmonte's wild. I've got City Hall in my back pocket, Whitehead said, according to Belmonte. Whitehead explained that he was close to Adams, going back to when Adams was Brooklyn Borough President. He told Belmonte that Adams had once offered him a $50 million construction contract. Eric's doing big things, Whitehead continued. I got to get mine. He mentioned a property that Belmonte was developing in the Bronx. He said, Eric Adams can make it a homeless shelter and you'll get city benefits, Belmonte recalled. Whitehead offered to broker a meeting with Adams. He kept telling me we're going to make millions together, Belmonte said. And he said, you got to give me five grand or I'm going to beat you up. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah, I would I would love to I would love to convert my pro- all my rental properties into homeless shelters and get billions in kickbacks from the city, but right now I just need that five grand or I'm going to kick the shit out of you. Uh, it's, a, it's a couple of things. Uh, just a few few other Eric Adams updates. Um, he he did he has declared war on the rats of the city and is uh, considering appointing a rat czar uh, position for which I feel that. I should be considered. And but he, also, see, he also said in the campaign that like he likes rats and that he had pet rats. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. This guy needs to f- figure out what his position on rats are. Yeah. He can't get his story straight. He said that like he, he both like grew up with rats the size of dogs and that they were also his pets and that he likes them. But also it's, it's time for war. Maybe there was a falling out that we don't know about. The rats, uh, the rats reneged. <laughs> the rats reneged mm-hmm. on a contracting job that he was gonna. Yeah, they were gonna turn their with, burrow uh, into a homeless shelter, <laughs> but didn't pay five thousand dollars. They promised to lead him to the biggest uh, deposit of enchanted uh, jewels and minerals underneath Manhattan, and then they yeah. said, "No, we're not going to do that." Redwall was based on Eric Adams' childhood. <laughs> <laughs> overflowing trenchers of the honey wine and walnut salad at city hall. This is a swag badger. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, just uh, one more thing before I get back into the, uh, the, the New Yorker article Uh, I saw over the weekend, Eric Adams announced like in the midst of announcing a budget that is just an austerity budget. It's, it just cuts to education and social services. Uh, he, He declared that he declared, um, Something okay, like it was, it was framed around what he describes as the four pillars of New York City, like it's fucking Islam or something, and it's like I don't know, it's like respect, uh, cur- courtesy. It's like I don't know the courtesy, professionalism, respect shit that the NYPD did years ago, but now it's four pillars and it's for the city of New York. So Islam, uh, you took five. New York, we're getting it done in four, thanks to Mayor Eric Adams. Uh, just a little more from the New Yorker article. Um, Wait, what are Adams. the four pillars of New York? Does he actually say? 
Uh, New York City schools. Okay, this is the New York City schools chancellor unveils four pillars for the new normal in public school system. So it's a four pillars for New York City's public schools. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. What are the pillars? Okay, I'm getting to the pillars. Come on, just list the pillars. Okay, reimagining the student experience to make <laughs> students more eager to attend school and to graduate them with a pathway to the middle class. Scale. Okay, pillar number two scale and sustain things that work. It's a good idea. Okay, these are Jesus Christ. Nobody thought of that before. <laughs> these are like the most long-winded pillars. I've yeah, like you most gotta, pillars it's be sharp, quick. Yeah, pillars are usually things like honesty, you know, respect, tithing, you, shit like that. All these things are like okay, there's a permanent innovation culture. That's not a pillar, that's copywriting. Uh the final two pillars this was, are If this was Muhammad, he would have been stoned to death. Yeah. If he presented pillars like this, <laughs> And he was like, all right, here, here's, here's what Islam's built on. We're always reinventing a culture of respect. <laughs> the okay, proto-Saudis that Muhammad... threw rocks at him would have hit. <laughs> what, if, uh, what if instead of uh, tithing, uh, Muhammad emerged and based a major tenet of his new faith on prioritizing wellness and its impact on student success? Oh, okay, yeah. Oh man, that's the best finally, word ever, right? Wellness, partnerships with wellness. parents. Uh, partnership with York parents Army. is the last one. Yeah, partnership with parents. To do what? What are you partnering Just, uh, with them for? To prioritize wellness and success in the schools. You need parents to uphold the pillars. It's a it's a partnership between parents and teachers to build and uphold the pillars. Okay, back to the uh, New Yorker article. This is about uh, Eric Adams. It says here, later, Adams amended 15 years of financial disclosure forms to reflect that he still owned half the apartment. This is more of his uh, apartment-owning shenanigans. He blamed his former accountant, Clarence Harley. Harley had gone through some difficult times, Adams said. I had an accountant who was homeless, he explained. I let him continue to do his job, even when he lived in a homeless shelter. And because of that, it caused him to make some bad decisions. Oh, I remember that. I remember him talking about the hobo accountant. I <laughs> remember came the out hobo. Oh, yeah, yeah. Buy can of beans futures. <laughs> It came out after the primary that Harley hadn't simply fallen on hard times. Until 2017, he had lived in an affordable housing building in Harlem where he did the books for the building's board. The board discovered that Harley appeared to have siphoned tens of thousands of dollars from the building's account and evicted him shortly thereafter. Harley could not be reached for comment. So, I mean, this is just, uh, if, if you're, if you're going to have a hobo do your books, I mean, look, a few things are going to fall through the cracks. They're, I mean, like they're doing accounting in fingerless gloves. You know, it's hard to do <laughs> two column accounting when you're when you're heating your hands yeah. on a garbage fire. An authoritarian, an authoritarian train conductor is always taking your calculator and legal pad. You have to fight Lee Marvin to get your 1099s for that year. Uh, a little more about Lamore Whitehead. Says Whitehead is forty-four years old. He has bright brown bright brown eyes and a wide, engaging smile. He often spends hours a day live streaming on Facebook and Instagram, where he promotes his church and his luxurious lifestyle, and denounces his enemies. Designer for days, he once said, giving his followers a virtual tour of his walk-in prayer closet, which was stuffed with clothing from Gucci, Fendi, and Louis Vuitton. Whitehead, who lives in a multi-million dollar house in Paramus, New Jersey, advertises himself as an ascendant community leader in a multiplicity of realms, business, politics, religion, and entertainment. He, ha he has said that one of his missions is to serve as an emissary between the streets and the church. 
in 2018, here's an example of doing just that. In 2018, after the rapper Takeshi 69 pleaded guilty to making sexually explicit, sexually explicit videos of a 13-year-old girl, Whitehead spoke in court on his behalf. The bishop had to come through, 69 said in a video he posted on Instagram. We had a situation. I did not expect there to be a 69 connection in here. <laughs> okay, but um a little bit a uh, little bit of Eric Adams lore. Do you remember the Eric Adams drill summit where he met with Fivio Ford? Yes. Yes, yes. Do you think that like that was just like him muscling a bunch of like ascendant New York drill guys to give money to this guy's church? <laughs> probably. Like in yeah. retrospect, that's yeah. probably what it was. That's you think highly th likely, yeah. Like, yeah. If you want to get in good with us, then you know uh, show your commitment to the community. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, if you want to like, yeah, if you want to perform without issues, if you like, don't want to have venue problems, like give a kickback to this scumbag like creature that I know. Yeah, that, like already already clearly has industry contacts. <laughs> yeah, did you see the thing where the NYPD was filming everyone who came out of the Drake concert in Harlem yeah. over the weekend? So yeah, well, Drake didn't didn't probably donate to New Life Progress Ministries for pillars of school teaching. That's so weird to record everyone who goes to a fucking Drake concert. I know. <laughs> I know. This is the most violent murder music. These these psychos who are listening to Drake's song, I drove you to your law school exam, even though it was snowing. They're they're like the they're like the fucking axe gang from Cobra. They're gonna kill it at, at a moment's notice for no reason to please their nihilistic leader, Drake. <laughs> <laughs> drill music like drake's big single i'm sad and like cartoons <laughs> yeah. want to have lunch with me yeah drake drake uh, drake has hardcore drill lyrics like i wasn't hiding the, my son from the world i was hiding the world from my son <laughs> <laughs> just one last thing about uh whitehead is also a uh a pro prolific poster it just says uh whitehead spent the subsequent weeks in a frenzy denying the accusations made against him picking fights online in parentheses at one point he threatened to beat up comedian dl hughley <laughs> <laughs> so uh mayor mayor eric adams once again doing great things in the city of new york um his it's just like the bungler did not have as fun a social circle as Mayor Eric Adams, which is including the, uh, the 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 prayer closet preacher. God, that's such a good story. For the, he was like a designer for days as I take you around my prayer closet. Eric Adams, look, you can criticize him, but it's the only known example of shorism being tried on a large scale. <laughs> <laughs> New York City right now is like the Cuba of shorism. <laughs> <laughs> and to those of you who say real shorism has never been tried, I would just point you to the five boroughs. Okay, moving on. Um, here's, a, here's a fun story from the, uh, the Daily Mail, isn't it? Uh, headline, priest who died during heart attack claims he went to hell and saw demons singing Rihanna's Umbrella and Bobby McFerrin's Don't Worry, Be Happy to torture people. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. <laughs> 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 okay. I mean, I saw the headline and, you know, I uh, Umbrella, like, whatever, that's a fine song. But I got to say, Bobby, Mc, Bobby, what is it? Uh, sorry. Uh, Bobby McFerrin. Bobby McFerrin's Don't Worry, Be Happy is a song I would expect to be playing in hell on a loop, just constantly. I mean, like, I'm saying there's some credibility to this here. 
A priest claims he temporarily died during a heart attack and went to hell where demons singing karaoke tortured him. Michigan pastor Gerald Johnson said Rihanna's hit song Umbrella echoed through the gates of hell during his bizarre visit to purgatory. Well, wait a sec. Was he in purgatory or hell? Yeah, come on. Get this shit figured out. (laughs) We got to get another uh, church ecumenical council together to figure this out. I mean, I would have to say purgatory because that is waiting room music. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Don't worry. Be happy. That's classic waiting to get your teeth cleaned music right there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. But, but you know like i mean this is hell we're talking about here so there's something there's something so demonic about playing a song that's meant to make people happy but you're torturing them for classic irony it. yeah that's uh, that's your, uh, quentin tarantino style hell we got here uh johnson said my spirit left my physical body when he suffered the heart attack seven years ago Despite living his life as a man of God, he said he was stunned when he was denied entry to heaven and instead plummeted down to the earth's core. I thought I was going upward because I thought I had done so much good in this lifetime and helped so many people and made so many decisions that were oddly decisions, he said. (laughs) (laughs) After entering the fiery depths, he was faced with cruel punishments befitting his place in hell, including being tormented with demonic renditions of Rihanna's umbrella and Bobby McFerrin's Don't Worry, Be Happy. There was a section in hell where music was playing. It was the same music we hear on Earth, but opposed to entertainers singing it, demons were singing it. Well, see, what if I were to tell you the entertainers here on Earth are demons? Mm-hmm. That complicate matters for you? Well, Gerald continues. While, you're, while up here, you can listen to music to get over a breakup, like Don't Worry, Be Happy, or Umbrella. <laughs> if I was trying to get over a breakup and listening to Don't Worry, Be Happy, I would fucking kill myself. <laughs> I, would, I would go straight to hell. That is... <laughs> oh, God damn it. Um... Johnson said his bizarre experience should serve as a warning to those who choose to enjoy charts or chart toppers instead of hymns and prayers. Why am I listening to you? You went to hell. (laughs) Fuck off. You've been judged. You're you're, a priest who went to hell. That's like you're fucking up. You're one thing. You're one thing you're supposed to do. Talk about like being a homeless accountant. Oh yeah, my priest, priest actually went to hell. Eucharist ever asked to go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> so this guy is uh, a Michigan native, and yeah, uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe pe- maybe there's just no entry point to heaven through Michigan. <laughs> I, it's p- possible, highly possible. Yeah. That was part of Napa. They closed that off. <laughs> he was replacing the communion wine with Fago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Please, please. If you have elderly relatives in the state of Michigan, please get them across state lines. Get them to Indiana before they die. Uh, I like how he. I like how this happened to. He says this happened to him in 2016, but he's opening up about it like six years later. Yeah. Yeah. Like, look, a lot of people probably went to hell uh, during COVID. A lot of people probably got sent to hell by COVID, and they could have. They, this was important information for them. Now well, they're listening people- to Don't Worry, Be Happy, and he could have told them way earlier. There was well, no how, Twitter how, and Facebook. How many people did this? has this hell-bound priest like, given the last, last rights to between him going to hell and now? that None of that counted. That's like oh going my to extra hell. Him giving you last rights is like Roseanne singing the this national anthem. This is a megachurch. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's a megachurch pastor. He's not a priest. 
Okay. So, oh, I mean, that man. may explain why well, he's gone to hell. He said priest. What are you talking about? He does call himself a priest, which I don't yeah. know. Maybe that's Maybe why he's, he's going go- to hell. He doesn't yeah. even know what fucking denomination yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. in. <laughs> he's, he's accidentally starting the fucking Uper uh, Avignon Papacy. <laughs> No wonder you're in hell, dumbass. You're not a priest. You're not a priest. You wear jeans and have zippers around the knees. <laughs> this is really good. Yeah, I think we figured it out why he's in hell now. He doesn't even know what, said, what religion he is in. He says, he says uh, while up here, you can listen to music to get over a breakup, like Don't Worry, Be Happy or Umbrella. But down there, every lyric to every song is to torment you. Johnson said his bizarre experience should serve as a warning <laughs> Wait a minute, to like those. Like Weird Al Yankovic? Like, yeah. Is it parody <laughs> lyrics? Is that it? Oh, that, well, I mean, like, that may be pretty fun. Like, if you if you have a good sense of humor about yourself, you don't take yourself too seriously. The demons are, like, remaking top 40 hits to be roasts of you. Yeah. <laughs> and about how you, like, did all seven deadly sins. Yeah. I mean, you're in hell. You know, you should relax. What's the worst that can happen? It's already happened. You're done. He he shows up. He's he's in the fucking lake of fire. There's just fucking. You can stand under my umbrella, umbrella, umbrella. And then he just turns next to him, and Hitler goes, "Don't worry, you get used to it after a while." I know it says here um, as well as being forced to listen to fan favorite hits in the fiery inferno. It's like one of those time life collection. All your favorite singles will be here in hell. Umbrella well, I mean, by that Rihanna. Would be true. I got to assume. Jay Z and yeah. Alicia Keys, yeah. Empire State of Mind. Which, by the way, if I die and go to hell, that is absolutely the song that they're going to use to torture me for eternity. The Jay Z Alicia Keys song. I'm from New York. Big lights Where will inspire you. Made of. Uh, just hot flames will burn you for eternity. <laughs> more like it. Place where dreams are made of? No, place where nightmares are made of. This is hell, bitch. Take your sensitive ass back to purgatory. We clown in this motherfucker. I <laughs> know <laughs> uh, it says here, uh, as well as being forced to listen to fan favorite hits in the fire in front of, he also claimed to have witnessed the gruesome scene of a man being burned alive. The things I well, saw yeah, were in this. Hell. <laughs> The things I saw were indescribable. It makes me emotional, he said. His eyes were bulging, and worse than that, he was wearing chains on his neck. It was a demon holding the chain. On Earth, a lot of the lyrics and music are inspired by demons, he claimed. (laughs) People come into contact with demons who give them lyrics for the purpose of controlling people on Earth. (laughs) Oh, he met a demon liar down there. He was he was like, Oh yeah, I've actually I'm I've I've actually ghostwritten a lot of like Sam Smith's songs. You know, uh, <laughs> I'm yeah, like, you know, yeah. I met Taylor at Ibiza. She's really down to earth. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I actually wrote uh, all of Tao Cruz's songs. Black Eyed Peas, that was me. And then he meets uh, the, the Dark Lord Lucifer himself, and it's what? Bruno Mars? What? <laughs> I, I don't know. If uh, hell okay. is just like, I got to watch other people burn, that's not that bad. I can handle that. <laughs> Listen yeah, to the top 40. <laughs> yeah, and presumably, presumably, if you're like Reinhard Heydrich, you're like, oh, I like this is like what I did during my life. Like, I like this. You're owned. <laughs> well, do you think maybe like this pastor, like he was given, like, look, he he had his eighth heart attack of that year. <laughs> you know, he's familiar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and. You know, uh, the Archangel Michael is like, look, this guy, he keeps knocking on the door. Let's just give him a little let's give him a little preview. You know, he's on our side, but let's just show him what the waiting room to hell is like so he can come back to Earth and warn people about uh, demonic lyrics like don't worry, be happy. I mean, come on. 
just uh, don't worry. I'm sorry. I, I worry all the time about sin. Oh, he he does say why he went to hell. Okay. Um, he's he said it was the thing was I had in my heart was unforgiveness towards people that had done me wrong. <laughs> you can so go to hell, hell for, for that. Being, so he went sucks. to hell for being he went to hell for being a workaholic, basically. Yeah, like, yeah. I, 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 I'm too I, dedicated I, to my job. Oh, I guess I got to go to hell. Yeah, I, 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 I went to hell for standing up for myself. <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking loser. <laughs> Well, uh, speaking of hell, um, here, here's a story I'd like your guys, uh, like you guys to weigh in on here. This is uh, courtesy of Gizmodo by Nikki Main. Nationwide ban on TikTok inches closer to reality. Now, this is a, this is a Josh Hallway uh, specialty here. I'm just going to read here. It says, the White House is facing mounting pressure from Congress to ban the wildly popular TikTok app nationwide after Senator Josh Hallway, Republican Missouri, and Congressman Ken Buck, or <laughs> Ed Buck's brother, uh, introduced a piece of legislation on Wednesday to curb its use. A similar bill to ban TikTok in the U.S. was filed during the last congressional session, but it was not considered in either chamber. The No TikTok on the United States Devices Act. Wow, Josh Hallway really coming up with a pithy fucking title for this piece of legislation. The No TikTok on the United States Devices Act would ban access to the app on all devices, but it may face pushback from a divided Congress in the coming weeks. Senator Hallway argued for the legislation in a Twitter post on Tuesday. Oh, how, how funny. It's using another rival social media app. TikTok is China's backdoor into Americans' lives, he added. It threatens our children's privacy as well as their mental health. Last month, Congress banned it on all government devices. Now I will introduce legislation to ban it nationwide. Um, now, much as I am uh, loath to uh, agree with Senator Josh Hallway on anything, I think uh, TikTok is, as you pointed out, Matt, I think TikTok is creating a Pontypool style situation. Like, but in reality, I think it is very much contributing to the mental illness of many people in this country. But what do you guys think? Ban TikTok, ban TikTok, yay or nay? What are your guys' feelings on this? I mean, like, if it's not TikTok driving people insane, it'll be something else, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, you got to uh, just have get rid of the phone, like no phone. Yeah. Or, you know, you know, one thing they could do uh, a mandate increasing the weight of a phone so that it's like 10 pounds. Okay. That's not bad. Cause that way, like, so that, that way, like, okay, like to, to carry it with you all day would be a commitment. And yeah. when you want to use it, it's like, you know, it, it's, you have to be a little bit more conscious of it. Exactly. Like you, you can have a phone. It's just, it's going to be, you're going to have to really want to be on there instead of just like letting it fill in the gaps of all of your free time just passively. But yeah, like, it, I mean, people, people who don't know how to use a VPN will figure it out to get TikTok, certainly. And yeah. uh, I don't know yeah, how no. else you ban it's a, it's them. A, I mean, we don't have the great firewall of China. Yeah, it's just going to be an American company that creates like exactly. I mean, all like Instagram and Twitter have already tried to do versions of TikTok like on their on their own apps. So like the the eight second video format. I mean, I don't know. Am I am I just old? Is that the reason I find TikTok so uniquely disturbing? It's because like wh whenever I come across a TikTok video, it's just like this, just it's just a shrieking wall of sound and like unpleasant images and words that like I think are really 
yeah, like it's creating Pontypool. I saw this thing over the weekend that was like Julia Fox has to uh, apologizes to Instagram person who uses the for using the word mascara, which he thought to be the makeup mascara, but on TikTok now mascara is code for sexual assault. And I'm just what? thinking, I, I just I don't know. Yeah, it's I I don't even know if I'm relaying that story correctly, but it's it's doing wonderful things to people's brains and language. I'm well, enjoying I'm enjoying the people just like full on just retreating into pre-modern uh, mental states thanks to it like the guy the thing of the guy who who saw who saw a giant that, <laughs> yeah, that was one's, just yeah. a fucking tower on the top of a hill and it wasn't moving it was clearly made of metal but it was big and it was far away and then he that died cuz the government wanted to cover it up that there was a giant on the hill. Did he go to hell? Because presumably he didn't forgive the giant for causing his own demise. Um, no, yeah, I mean, so the mascara thing and pretty much all, I would say most things from the internet, most linguistic things that sound insane to, to anyone. Like, okay, the friend thing. You know the friend thing? These like are all... Yeah, like friend, tendies, a little like yeah, 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 frog yeah. and all that shit. Everything like that was created to get around automated suspensions. Like there are words people, you know, think there are words that like make you more likely to be suspended or shadow banned on TikTok or Twitter. So they'll like, you know, there'll be widely accepted replacement words. That's how the friend thing got started. That's how mascara became a stand in for uh, sex um, or. So this uh, is like, yeah, this is like my friends who went to. My friends who went to high school in Bay Ridge said the Italian kids that went there would refer to black people as citizens as a way of getting out of saying the N-word in public. So, like, this is basically a version of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's a particularly, like, interesting phenomenon of the modern internet because, I mean, this has always been around because there's always been bannings, right? But in the new age where, um, you know, content can't possibly be moderated in the old way because now you have hundreds of millions of people on the same platforms and things are automated. Um, You know, you have to do it through automation uh, bolstered by underpaid people in the global South. Um, I do think it's interesting how like it creates this sort of like um, infinite, this sort of infinite mirror of degenerating language like that just makes you know that it just keeps going and going because then you know your replacement word gets added to the words that trigger the filtration system then you come up with another thing and then it it just drives you further and further away from making any type of sense it's like a uniquely uh degenerating effect of automation I mean, but like this is this is Josh Hallway's like uh, I think I think like this is I think he's trying to launch like a presidential campaign with this very, very weak teeth. This is his sort of like pseudo populist posturing and like making it all about China. And I'm like, look, I'm, I'm sure this is some sort of covert weapon of war uh, that China's using against America. But that doesn't mean I think we should ban it. If anything, I think we should encourage it. But no, I mean, it's like it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's it just like, so like as more they, new they Cold War shit. They succeeded where we failed. Like we could never come up with something as good as TikTok. All our <laughs> I mean, shit is like there was like an attempt. A, like, they fucked it up. So remember Vine? Yeah, they fucked yeah. it up. Yeah, because we instead of central planning, we made it subject to the free market. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, um, it does sort of show the limits of national conservatism. He's never going to like actually like 
you know, propose something like, okay, you have to be like 24 to get a phone or something like that. Because if you're funding the Republican Party, you don't want to hear that. It'll just be like, you know, singular symptoms you pick out instead of the disease. That's sort of the MO of national conservatism. I do think, though, it's a combination of, like you say, am I just old or is this uniquely evil? And it's like, as always, it's like, it's both. Like, we are just too old for this. We have not been acculturated into it. to, And so we find it uh, alienating and weird in a way that we wouldn't if we were, had a different experience with it. But at the same time, like, these, these uh, media developments are a progression, you know, towards a total breakdown of, Every of of, every, of meaning <laughs> of any kind. Mm-hmm. Uh, if only we had Matt. If only we had a map to meaning. If only someone wrote out our map or maps <laughs> to to meaning that we could follow to just get get some goddamn meaning out of life. Well, speaking of things that uh, shatter meaning and and reality, did you guys see this fucking front page article that the Daily Telegraph ran over the weekend? supposedly proving that Prince Andrew couldn't have had sex with Virginia uh, Roberts in a bathtub. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I did see that. Okay, like, this is this is a front-page article in, in uh, The Telegraph. Uh, the Daily Mail covered it. I'm just reading here. It says, Maxwell family bathroom stunt said to prove Prince Andrew's innocence is shameful, say friends of accuser Virginia Roberts. So basically, uh, friends of Virginia Roberts... Uh, sorry. A photograph on the front page of the Daily Telegraph showed a man and a woman lying fully clothed in a bath in the former London home of convicted child sex trafficker Jelaine Maxwell, wearing makeshift masks bearing the faces of the prince and his accuser. It was published under the headline, The Photo That Clears Duke Over Bath Sex, and was said to disprove Miss Roberts' story that the prince had engaged in intimate acts with her in its confined space. Jelaine's brother Ian told the newspaper that the image posed by two of his sister's acquaintances shows conclusively that the bath is too small for any sort of sex frolicking. I mean, like, <laughs> I, I, I saw that, but, like, they, they printed the photo, that, which is, like, one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. They're, they're like, they have computer-printed out photos of Prince Andrew and Virginia Roberts that they've, like, taped to their face. But the photo clearly shows a man and a woman sitting in a bathtub with more than enough room for two people. So, I, I like, and what do they mean by sex, sex frolicking? They're, so like, they're, oh, sitting, like a- they're sitting in the bathtub, like, foot to foot opposite each other, which, I mean, is Ghislaine the only member of the Maxwell family who's had sex? That's not how it happens. Prince Andrew, he wasn't accused of scissoring with Virginia <laughs> Roberts. And another, another detail that's just like, I mean, it was just insane to me because like, I know it's the, the, daily, the Tory graph or whatever, but like, isn't the Telegraph supposed to be like an ostensibly serious newspaper? The other, the other funny detail from the photo is that his, <laughs> the bathtub is surrounded by mirrors, which is like, okay, if this is not a bath for sex frolicking, then what's with all the fucking mirrors everywhere? Like the last thing I want to look at is my like you know uh, wet body is just shoved out of a hot tub is a full length fucking mirror. Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, like, did did they did they really think that this was like exonerate? I mean, it's just like you have to ask yourself the question: Is like, are they this stupid, or do they think like, or or is it? I, I, I think there's like a, a, a tendency to just be like, oh, like they're doing this, you know, like you said, Matt, to dab on us. But like there's all that's always in competition with like, are they this are they just this inbred and stupid? 
Like they, if they did like the same person who who gave Prince Andrew the like I can't I medically can't sweat excuse. Did they come up with this photo stunt idea? Like why even do this? Like just I think the UK is in like really dire straits right now. What with the Queen dying and the country like you know circling the fucking drain socially and economically, and like is is this need to defend the royal family and like are the ang- it's like in the midst of like all the anger at Harry and Meghan Markle like. I, I, just, I just, I'm, I'm dumbfounded as to what the reason for doing this would be. Like, you really think Ghislaine is going to get out of prison because of this fucking photo, or are they just doing it because they can? I, I, it's, it's baffling to me. Well, presumably, this is the type of thing that may have worked when Robert Maxwell was still alive. You know? Yeah, but like the the photo itself is. <laughs> It's like self refuting. There's two people in the bathtub. Easily, yeah, I don't. I'm know. sorry. Well, I don't know. I don't. It's that. It's that they're you know the second generation. They're not quite as clever as uh, their predecessors. I think on their side, there's a little bit of like uh, shock and like what the fuck at Ghislaine taking the fall for some of this. You know, I think they're a little bit surprised by that. But otherwise, I can't really get inside their heads, nor would I want to. <laughs> I think it's just like a combination of buzzing. Nightmare yeah. There. Yeah. I, it just. Uh, yeah. I think, as always, it's a combination of like incompetence, uh, a feeling of um, I don't know, sort of still being untouchable, uh, and yeah, degeneration. I mean, like, it just they really need the royal family to like be untainted by this or something. I don't know. Like, it's, it's just this thing that's hanging over them. That's like. I think I think honestly, like so much of the anger about Harry and Meghan is just a way to like diffuse and distract people from like the massive issue of Prince Andrew <laughs> and his connections to Epstein and Jillian Maxwell. But I don't know. Well, I mean, also, that, as you said, the fact that England is like <laughs> England is now at the point where it the standard of living is going below uh, all those Eastern European countries that. Uh, people would come to England from before Brexit. Like they're, they're, they're fucked and they have no response to it other than uh, miserably clutching all the remnants of Imperial majesty and power that they, that they have, that they, they cannot die with dignity. They, they must continue their sex frolicking. Yeah. Most importantly, they don't, they're not getting, they're not being miserable on their own terms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But the royal admitted he'd stayed with Epstein in his New York mansion for four days. You were staying at the house of yes. a convicted sex offender. It was a convenient place to stay. Well, I mean, just one more example from Across the Pond, uh, an article I came across this weekend. Uh, it's not just the Daily Tory graph. Uh, this is from The Guardian. Uh, it's an opinion piece, a headline, Forget Andrew Tate. What about the host of misogynists in labor's ranks? by Catherine Bennett for The Guardian. And this is one of those articles where, like, I I just, like, I read it through, and it was like, okay, like, the first two-thirds of the article are just restating, like, Andrew Tate's greatest hits. Like, you know, uh, (laughs) bragging about being a pimp and, you know, uh, imprisoning women and uh, saying that women shouldn't speak or have jobs. And then I'm saying, okay, like, when are we going to get to the thing that this is compared to? And it's like a communications guy for the Labor Party who said... Some fucking MP, he, he, said, he said of an MP that she should consider spending more time with her constituents instead of J.K. Rowling. And that is what is being used to be like, okay, forget about Andrew Tate, the, <laughs> the pimp and sex trafficker. Let's focus on this random labor communications guy who uh, had, 
what is a standard political put down and insult for among any politician, which is just, yeah, spend time with your constituents and not celebs. What a fucking shitty country. Jesus Christ. Yeah, they, they had their chance. They're done. They're, they, they've just, they're, uh, goodbye. See ya. I did say, is, is Andrew Tate allowed to have a phone in solitary confinement? He's posting he in there. Like, He's tweeting he, from like, prison. Is he, is he kiting these out or something? Because I saw, I, I saw him over the weekend and he, was, he said, the Matrix doesn't want you to drink two cups of coffee a day. And I was like, censor this man immediately. These ideas yeah. are too powerful. Ever since he's went to prison, he's been really funny. It's been, like, <laughs> it's been really good. His, yeah, his jail yeah. posting is really funny. Yeah, before it was like, it, before it was like, I know all the dark truths. The Matrix is going to kill me. You could break any woman. You know, I could, like, if I had two minutes of Kate Middleton, she would be my slave. Um, and after he's like, life begins after coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I do wonder, did he, did he like, stick a phone up his ass or something to get in there and just so that he could tweet about uh, how good Folgers is. That's pretty wild uh, risk to take. Or maybe his wizard is doing it. Maybe the wizard is posting for him. Oh, the wizard has been like a a source of like a a lot of like inter right wing uh, uh, strife because um, more Varg like people are like, look, he literally has a Jewish mage. (laughs) this is our guy (laughs) um but like as far as the phone i mean like what would you have to bribe a romanian prison guard with to get a phone like a pog yeah (laughs) i think that would be pretty cheap oh man andrew tate gets out of prison and becomes like a like a a a spokesman and for the pog lifestyle not p-a-w-g p-o-g pogs they're back and andrew tate is uh is like (laughs) this is how you sharpened your mind this i pog sharpens pog iron sharpens iron (laughs) do you realize how the matrix got rid of pogs yeah you're right where'd they go god damn it yeah i'm so sick of the matrix (laughs) fucking matrix man (laughs) For fucking uh, forget the mate. I turn around and my uh, my mighty Morphin Power Ranger slammer has just disappeared. <laughs> uh, uh, one last story. Speaking of the Matrix, did you guys watch the? <laughs> did you guys watch the video of Paul Pelosi getting attacked in his home? Like the the, the police body cam video that came out because that was pretty good. Like like what? Why is this motherfucker in his underwear? I mean, I understand it's his own house, but come on. A, uh, look, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not endorsing every right-wing conspiracy theory about this. I want to, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I sorely want to. But it, 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 was, it was pretty good. Pretty good video. Well, like, I like okay, the, like the, I, I've seen a lot of episodes. Um, they've, like, definitely run out of ideas on SVU, and they've had Olivia taken hostage approximately 7,000 times since Stabler's been off the show. She's taken hostage, like, once a week. And a lot of the time, she'll, like, you know, be, like, to show the hostage taker that uh, she's trustworthy, she'll, like, you know, throw her gun away. Maybe Paul Pelosi was like, look, look, to, to like, show you that I'm no threat and to make you comfortable, I'll get naked. I'll take my <laughs> pants off. Maybe he showed up with his pants off. We know he drives drunk. <laughs> that's true <laughs> yeah i mean if you're paul pelosi and you're just walking around with like one ball hanging out in san francisco <laughs> what like cop or anything is gonna say shit to you <laughs> it seems like he has a pretty chill lifestyle though yeah yeah just his cruising around is... shit-faced in his porsche no yeah, pants just on been around a porsche getting sloshed 
And I got to say, well, an 82-year-old man surviving getting his head cracked open with a hammer. Like, Jesus Christ, this dude's indestructible. No wonder he drives yeah. drunk. <laughs> he's like Bruce Willis. Yeah, no, unbreakable. Unbreakable. <laughs> An even greater hero. All right. Uh, let's uh, let's wrap it up here for today. Um, that does it for us. Until um, next time, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, we bid you bye-bye. Bye-bye. bye-bye.